wise effort. We put in balanced energy and pacing to awakening. Wise effort is the first of the concentration group. It means concentrating our effort on understanding and recovery and awakening. Wise effort isn't based on how much we should meditate, how much service we should do, or how much time we put into healthy activity. Instead, it's the intention to devote balanced energy to supporting the other parts of the path, particularly wisdom. The first thing to pay attention to is avoiding situations and states of mind that can lead to unwholesome, unskillful, or harmful responses. We become more aware of conditions in our lives and investigate our own responses and reactions to those conditions. When we're operating out of greed, ignorance, confusion, or thinking we can get what we want, we need to be aware of that. We put in the effort and energy to understand what circumstances allowed these conditions to arise and how we can begin to move away from those responses. Energy or effort is also devoted to letting compassion, loving kindness, generosity, and forgiveness arise when they're not present. If we find ourselves reacting with anger rather than compassion, fear instead of generosity, blame instead of forgiveness, we can ask how we would respond if those positive factors were present and begin to respond more skillfully. Being hard on ourselves, beating ourselves up, and suffering from perfectionism are all familiar feelings during addiction and recovery. When we shame ourselves for not being good enough, not trying hard enough, not being enough, these are perfect opportunities to practice wise effort, to reflect on the question, in this moment, how can I be kind and gentle with myself? In early recovery, we may be most interested in damage control, simply stopping the destruction and demoralization we have suffered through our habitual, unskillful responses to craving. We can begin by awareness of that craving and learning to make different choices that don't trigger the craving. Sometimes awareness is enough. Sometimes that's all the effort we can muster. As we learn more skillful responses to our triggers, we gain space to have more compassion, loving-kindness, generosity, and forgiveness. And as this practice becomes more of a habit, equanimity and peacefulness begin to replace our habits of grasping and selfishness. Pacing ourselves is important, alternating periods of activity and rest. We need to be aware of what our mind, emotions, body, and recovery can handle right now and avoid the stress that can come from pushing ourselves too far, too fast. We need to avoid those things that put us into unskillful mind states and try to do the things that return us to a more easeful way of being in the present moment. Try to remember that whatever your experience is right now, it will pass, often in unpredictable ways. Remind yourself that you don't really know how long an unpleasant or painful experience will last. Try to be open to recognizing and investigating the experience while it is present, without interpreting it as a permanent part of your experience. Recognizing that the craving, experience, or thought will pass makes it easier to avoid the impulse to make an immediate, unskillful response. Why is mindfulness? We practice non-reactivity, being present, and looking deeply. Mindfulness. Being present to what's going on in our minds, bodies, hearts, and world is central to the practice of the Eightfold Path. 
We learn to be present for the way things are with compassion, without judging them or ourselves. Mindfulness is being aware of whatever is present, noticing it, and letting it pass. It's also remembering that we're on a path leading to our freedom and long-lasting happiness. Mindfulness asks us to be aware and to investigate, without the reactivity and grasping for control that leads to suffering. We learn to stay attentive to what's happening without having to either react to or deny what's happening. For many of us, our addictions prevented us from being mindful. In fact, that was often the whole point. We used our substances and behaviors to avoid feeling, to avoid being aware, because being aware was painful. But by trying to avoid pain, we often created more suffering. We're now making a different choice, to sit with the discomfort rather than pushing it away or try to numb it. We can learn to sit with the discomfort in different ways, either up close and personal, saying, this fear is simply a bunch of body sensations, or in a more distant, non-attached way. There's the fear, and I don't have to let it control me. We're choosing to respond to it with mindful investigation and compassion, and to trust that it will pass if we let it. We're remembering that there's another way to respond to life. Our minds can get lost in how we react to experiences. When something happens, we almost immediately begin to create a story, plan, or fantasy about it. We have a thought about an experience. That thought leads to another, and on and on, until we're far from a real understanding of the experience itself. Mindfulness is noticing the experience in that moment before we get lost in the judgment of the moment or the stories we spin about it. Rather than blindly following our reactions and responses to an experience, mindfulness allows us the space to choose to respond skillfully and from a place of wisdom and morality. Mindfulness encourages us to be open and investigate the painful experiences and our habitual reactions to those experiences, rather than to deny, ignore, suppress, or run from them. Most of us have been conditioned to be our own harshest critic from early on, especially during our fixations on substances and behaviors. We carry the shadow of that judge with us, even as we seek recovery, giving ourselves negative feedback and scrutinizing every effort we make, holding ourselves to impossible standards of perfection. Letting go of that inner critic allows us to be mindful in the present of the efforts we are making, mindful of the compassion and loving-kindness we're learning to make a part of our practice and our lives. Remember that we often talk way more harshly to ourselves than we ever would to somebody else. It's useful to notice when we're treating ourselves too harshly and then shift attention to what we are doing well. We can acknowledge the negative thought and then gently let it go. Mindfulness practice is based on what are called the four foundations. The first foundation, mindfulness of the body, asks us to bring awareness, attention, or focus to breathing and to bodily sensations. Meditations on the breath and body are focused on this awareness. The second foundation is mindfulness of feeling and feeling tones. This practice involves noticing the emotional tone, pleasure or displeasure, that comes with every sensation, even when the sensation is a thought. It also encourages us to notice when a sensation is neither pleasant nor unpleasant, but feels neutral, 
For example, we can experience the sensations of breathing, the sensation of breathing in, the sensation of exhaling, by noticing where in the body we feel the breath most directly. But we can experience the sensations without feeling particular pleasure in the sensations of breathing. Breathing is just there. It's a natural process of being alive. The second foundation instructs us to notice those sensations that are neutral, as well as those that are pleasant or unpleasant. The third foundation, mindfulness of the mind, asks us to notice when attachment, also known as greed or wanting, comes up, and to be aware that the attachment arises in the mind. We also learn to notice when the mind is not attached to a particular thought or sensation. The same practice of noticing applies when we become aware of aversion, which we can experience as resistance or even hatred. And when aversion isn't present in the mind, we notice that the mind is free from aversion. In the fourth foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of mental objects or of mental phenomena, we begin to simply notice when a thought arises, being aware of it without judgment or evaluation and allowing it to pass away without holding on to it and without creating a story out of it. Training in the fourth foundation lets us be aware of thoughts arising and passing away and that each thought will pass if we allow it to. Two simple practices can make mindfulness more a part of our daily lives. First, we can stop whatever we're doing at any moment and pay attention to the physical sensation of three in-breaths and three out-breaths. This simple practice grounds our attention in what's present right now rather than in the voices and critics we carry with us, shifting from the stories and judgments we constantly create during the day to this simple grounding practice of three breaths gives us the space we sometimes need to return to mindfulness of the present. A second practice is to take time to inquire into the truthfulness of the negative or difficult messages we give ourselves. First, take time to ask yourself whether the message is true. Second, ask how sure you are that it's true. Are you absolutely certain about what may seem like an easy or automatic truth? Third, notice how you feel when you believe the thought. Does it lead to fear, anger, sadness, desire? Finally, reflect on who you'd be without the thought. How would you feel if you weren't caught up in the particular mindset or scenario you're creating? Wise Concentration we train the mind to be focused and undistracted. The final skill of the Eightfold Path is wise concentration. Meditation practice begins with concentrating on the breath, the body, the emotional tone of the moment, and the processes of the mind itself, because these things exist in the present. If we focus on breath, for example, we're paying attention to the present moment because our breathing is immediate. It's happening right now. Breathing is a natural process that doesn't require judgment or interpretation, and so it eases the mind from the need to react. The purpose of concentration is to train the mind to be focused and undistracted. This circles back to the wisdom section, where we try to be focused on wise understanding and wise thought without being distracted by habitual perceptions and reactivity. Most of us, early in meditation practice, are distracted by things around us. 
Our concentration is interrupted by a noise outside the room, a pain or discomfort in our bodies, our own worries or judgments of the experience, boredom or weariness, or thoughts and plans. These distractions can lead to a feeling of unease or restlessness. This is perfectly normal. In our addictions, we nurtured the habit of distracting ourselves. For many of us, it has become a survival technique. Concentration meditation gives us the opportunity to meet this habit with kindness and patience rather than resistance. Concentration, like the rest of the factors of the Eightfold Path, is a practice. As with any practice, it takes time and effort to learn a new way to focus attention. In meditation, simply noting the distraction, accepting that it exists, and then refocusing is the practice. If we become consumed with discomfort, thoughts, or distraction, we need to first recognize that it's happening and then become curious about it. Then we can make the choice to refocus, to concentrate on the object of the meditation. Our habitual patterns can seduce us into thinking we're doing it wrong, into judging our practice, or into giving up. Don't let them. When we observe what the mind is telling us and react with compassion, Knowing we have the power to recognize it and refocus it, we strengthen our ability to concentrate. Concentration can be especially helpful in times of craving. Instead of getting lost in the delusion that we must have what we're craving, we can trust that the craving is only temporary and refocus our attention on our intention to act wisely. This may simply be the three-breath pause mentioned earlier or a more formal sitting meditation, concentrating on the breath. We can use concentration meditation to train our minds to focus on a wholesome thought in the midst of temporary discomfort and yearning for a quick fix. This may take the form of repeated phrases to focus and clear the mind, such as metta, compassion, or equanimity meditations. For some of us, this may take the form of prayer, a self-affirmation, a mantra, or another form of focused attention. Concentration practices can often bring a sense of well-being and peace in a time of turmoil. They're a healthy way to return to a balanced, resilient state when we're stressed or agitated. Sometimes when cravings or unpleasant emotions are particularly strong, moving the body can be the best way to help refocus our energy and find relief. Concentration at those times may mean being focused and mindful about each movement we are making. This is my foot taking a step. This is my hand reaching for the cup. After a few minutes of concentration practice, of not giving energy to our craving or obsession, we may find the intensity of the feeling has passed. The more we do this, the more we gain confidence that we have the power to relieve the suffering of our addiction through following this path and committing to this practice. For trauma survivors, the breath, the heart, and the mind can be potentially overwhelming places to place the attention. So if traditional anchors like breath and body are challenging, ask yourself, what helps you stay present? What helps to calm your nervous system? It might be the floor in front of you, or a statue, or a piece of art on the wall. It might even be just a blank wall. All that you need to be present is to pay attention to something happening right now. If you do feel powerful emotions begin to arise during meditation, there are some simple things you can do to remain present. For example, you can open your eyes rather than keeping them closed. 
or give yourself permission to back off from the practice you are working on. Do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself should such a state arise, whether that is taking some deep breaths, putting a name on your experience, such as flashback, or silently repeating some compassionate phrases to yourself. Learning to turn our attention back and forth between challenging sensations and our own supportive resources is a valuable skill that professionals call titration. You can be gentle with your practice as you are working to develop this skill.